You're listening to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Welcome back to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans from the West Coast. I'm your host, Zach Moore. It's Christmas Day. Merry Christmas, everyone, if you celebrate that sort of thing. Now, I have a few hours to kill before the Christmas festivities kick off here at the Moore household, so I thought I'd spend a few minutes having a look at number four Ohio State's playoff semifinal matchup with top seed number one Georgia in the Peach Bowl next Saturday night in Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. Now, I'm going to wrangle Paige and Chad this coming Wednesday for a proper preview pod with our concernometer scores and score predictions. We'll also have a look at the other CFP semifinal between TCU and Michigan. But today is mostly about filling up the hours before my folks get here for Christmas dinner. So thank you in advance for indulging me. So here we go. Number four, Ohio State versus number one, Georgia. This is Ohio State's fifth appearance in the CFP. The Buckeyes are two and two in CFP semifinal games. The game is an 8 p.m. Eastern kick on ESPN. The line is Georgia minus six and a half. The over under is 62. The Bulldogs come into this game at 13 and 0 and SEC champs. They were 50 to 30 winners over LSU in the SEC title game, which was also played in Mercedes-Benz Stadium, by the way. This will be Georgia's third game of the 2022 season in that stadium. They also played their season opener against Oregon there. So Mercedes-Benz, something of a home away from home for the Bulldogs. And it's only 70 miles from the University of Georgia campus. The Buckeyes will be venturing straight into the heart of enemy territory for this game, though it is technically a neutral site. Now, Ohio State comes into this matchup, as we know, at 11-1 and and second-place finishers in the Big Ten East. The only blemish on that record is, as we all painfully remember, the 45-23 faceplant against Michigan in the horseshoe in the season finale. Now, these two schools have met on the gridiron only once before, believe it or not, and that was in the 1993 Citrus Bowl, which was played at the end of the 92 season. That was my junior year at Ohio State. The number eight Bulldogs edged out the number 15 Buckeyes 21 to 14 that day. It was a pretty good battle between running backs Garrison Hurst and Robert Smith in that game. Now, both of those backs went on to have very successful NFL careers, as we remember. Hurst was named the game's MVP after rushing for 163 yards and two touchdowns. Smith finished with 162 total yards on 27 touches and two touchdowns. A guy by the name of Kirk Herbstreet was the quarterback for the Buckeyes in that game. And man, was he dreadful. Eight of 24 for 110 yards and one interception. You could tell from his performance in that game that Herbstreet was destined for the broadcast booth and not an NFL career. Ironically, Kirk Herbstreet will be on the call for ESPN in this game. So a quick aside on that 1992 team, to this day, I still believe that team could have won the Big Ten and maybe even a national championship with a decent quarterback. Now, they lost back-to-back games to Wisconsin and Illinois by a combined six points during the regular season. They played number six Michigan to a 13-13 tie and number eight Georgia down to the final minutes of the Citrus Bowl. That team was absolutely loaded. Robert Smith, Raymond Harris, Eddie George, Jeff Cothran, Joey Galloway, Chris Sanders, Corey Stringer, Dan Wilkinson, Steve Tovar, Roger Harper, who by the way was in my astronomy class my sophomore year, and Craig Powell. 
Smith, George, Galloway, Stringer, Wilkinson, and Powell were all first-round draft picks. Wilkinson was the number one overall pick in the 94 draft, as we remember. Roger Harper was a second-round pick. That 92 team was, as it would turn out, the first of many talented yet underachieving teams under John Cooper. And 1992 was also a, a very weird season in the Big Ten. Michigan won the conference that year with three ties. They were 9-0-3. They went on to beat Washington in the Rose Bowl. Anyway, I digress. So let's fast forward 30 years. Ohio State and Georgia finally meet again, but in a game that has real stakes this time and not a meaningless bowl game. So the way I want to look at this, I'm going to first have a look at Ohio State when they have the ball against the Georgia defense. Then I'm going to flip it around and tell you what I'll be looking for when the Bulldogs have the ball against the Buckeye defense. So Georgia comes into this game ranked eighth nationally in total defense, allowing 292 yards per game. They're 13th nationally in defensive yards per play at 4.77 yards per play. Now, where they really excel is against the run. They are the country's number one rush defense, allowing just under 77 yards per game. They're fifth nationally, allowing 2.93 yards per attempt. So it figures to be really tough sledding for Mayan Williams, who we hope will be healthy. It may not matter. <laughs> And, and the other backs for Ohio State, I, we don't know if it's going to be Chip Trainum, if it's going to be Dallin Hayden, whatever the case, going to be a long day, more than likely for Ohio State running backs trying to carry the ball against that Georgia defensive front. Now, where the Bulldogs have shown to be vulnerable this season is against the pass. They're 49th nationally in passing yards allowed at 215 yards per game. And their pass defense has been pretty susceptible to big plays. They're 97th nationally, allowing pass plays of 30 yards or more, and 112th nationally, allowing pass plays of 40 yards or more. And the Ohio State offense, by the way, is in the top 10 in both of those categories. In other words, in generating pass plays of 30 and 40 yards or more high state offense in, in the top 10 in both those categories. Uh, and uh, just to give you a little bit of perspective, the Georgia defense is worse at allowing those long pass plays than the Ohio State defense. The Ohio State defense actually ranks a little bit better in allowing pass plays of 30 and 40 yards or more. Now, the last time we saw that Georgia defense they gave up 500 passing yards and almost 10 yards per attempt to LSU in the SEC title game. So this is an area to watch in this game. Now, the fulcrum of the Georgia defense is defensive tackle Jalen Carter. He's an AP first team All-American. Carter is your prototypical freakishly athletic interior defensive linemen that are just built different in the SEC. They just grow those guys differently down there in the South. Now, he's Georgia's top graded defender, according to PFF, with an overall grade at 92.7. And he's going to be a handful, quite frankly, for the interior of the Ohio State offensive line. There's no doubt about it. Safety, Christopher Smith is also another player to watch for Georgia. He is also a first team All-American. He leads Georgia in interceptions with three Linebacker Jamon Dumas-Johnson, he's a second-team AP All-American, leads Georgia in tackles and in sacks. Dumas-Johnson's another player to watch. Another guy to keep your eye on for Georgia is slot corner Javon Bullard. He's Georgia's top-graded defensive back, according to PFF, with a grade of 83.6. Now, Bullard will likely draw coverage on Emeka Buka. That should be a really fun matchup to watch. Finally, Keely Ringo. He's probably Georgia's most talented cornerback. Ringo is a big dude, six foot two, 210 pounds. He'll likely be glued to Marvin Harrison Jr. all night. That'll be another fun matchup to watch. So for me, 
in this matchup of Ohio State's offense versus Georgia defense, I'm going to be watching how the interior of the Ohio State offensive line will hold up against Jalen Carter. Now, look, I think this is easier said than done. They cannot allow Carter to live in the backfield and bring consistent pressure up the middle on C.J. Stroud. Now, if we believe in the pro football focus grades, and you do have to take them with a grain of salt, I certainly do, Georgia's pass rush is not the force it was a year ago. Their pass rush grade this season, 74.7, is down nearly 16 points from last season's grade of 90.6. And they're not getting home for nearly as many sacks this season as last. The Bulldogs are 76 nationally in sacks this season. They were sixth in the country a year ago. Only 26 sacks for the Bulldogs this season compared to 49 in 2021. That's nearly a 50% drop from last year. And C.J. Stroud has only been sacked eight times this season. Paris Johnson Jr., Dewan Jones, both second-team AP All-Americans having great seasons. I think they're going to be able to handle any pressure Georgia tries to bring off the edge. I don't think Georgia is exceptional off the edge this year as they've been in previous years. And if Stroud has time, if he's got clean pockets, we know what the Buckeyes have at receiver with Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Ibuka. And they're going against a Georgia secondary again, as I've said, that gives up a lot of explosive plays. Again, that's 97th nationally allowing pass plays of 30 yards or more, 112th allowing pass plays of 40 yards or more. So I'm going to be looking for, hoping for more down the field shots by Stroud in this game. I don't think he took enough of those against Michigan. And I want to see 15 to 20 targets for Marvin Harrison Jr. in this game. I mean, after Jalen Carter, I think Harrison Jr. should be the best player on the field when the Buckeyes have the ball against the Georgia defense. Lean on Harrison Jr., especially in high leverage moments. Look, no disrespect to Kate Stover and Xavier Johnson. They are very nice role players. I've been singing their praises all season, but those are not the guys you need to be going to on critical third downs in this game in high leverage moments. It's got to be Harrison Jr., and after him, it's Emeka Buka. So this isn't some great insight from me, right? I've been saying it all season. The tip of the spear for the Buckeyes this year, and really the last two, has been the passing game. They have to be great throwing the ball in this game for the Buckeyes to have a chance. And looking at the numbers, it appears they might be able to have some success against the Georgia pass defense. Now, the one thing that does give me some pause about calling this, you know, an outright advantage for Ohio State is the way Georgia played against Tennessee earlier this year. Now, that was probably the one game that I watched, the only game really that I watched end to end uh, of Georgia. And, And the Vols, you know, let's face it, going into that game, they were every bit as explosive throwing the ball this season as Ohio State. The Bulldogs held Hendon Hooker to 195 yards passing, no touchdowns and an interception. They sacked him six times and they held Jalen Hyatt, the eventual Bolitnikoff winner, to just 63 yards on six receptions. So my question is, is there actually a real vulnerability defending the pass for Georgia or is, is it a case of, you know, when the Bulldogs need to be good against the pass, they can flip a switch and do it? That remains to be seen. But over 13 games, the numbers tell us that there are that there are some vulnerabilities in that Georgia pass defense. 
All right, I'm going to flip it around and look at the Georgia offense against the Ohio State defense. Now, Georgia comes into this game eighth nationally in total offense. That's one spot behind Ohio State, by the way. They're averaging just under 492 yards a game. The Bulldogs are seventh nationally in offensive yards per play at 6.97. They're 17th nationally in rushing offense, averaging 207 yards a game. And they're seventh in yards per attempt at 5.53. The Dogs are 19th nationally in passing offense, averaging 285 yards per game, and they're 13th in yards per attempt at 8.6 yards per attempt. This is a potent offense that doesn't boast a 1,000-yard rusher or a 1,000-yard receiver, but don't be deceived by the individual numbers of Georgia's skilled players. You watch any of their games this year, and your eyes will tell you they have some dudes that can really play Starting with quarterback Stetson Bennett, he's a Heisman finalist, 3,425 yards passing, a 68.1% completion percentage. Now, he's only thrown for 20 TDs, and again, that's one of those individual numbers you, you know, you got to look past. So 20 touchdown passes for Bennett to six INTs. He's only been sacked seven times. Bennett also has seven rushing touchdowns this season, so he can do some things with his legs. You really have to respect him as a runner. And if you look at what Bennett has done in high leverage moments this year for Georgia, he's been really, really effective. So again, don't let those relatively modest numbers uh, fool you. Bennett can play and Ohio State has to be on alert for for everything that he can do, both with his arm and his legs. Now, the player to watch on that Georgia offense is tight end Brock Bowers. He's the John Mackey Award winner. That award goes to the nation's best tight end. But somehow he was only second team AP All-American. The AP voted Notre Dame's Michael Mayer to the first team. Now, Bowers is Georgia's leading receiver with 52 receptions for 726 yards and six touchdowns. Bowers also, by the way, has three rushing touchdowns, so Georgia likes to use him all over the field. He's a freakish athlete who looks more like a big receiver than a tight end. Another player to watch for Georgia is their second tight end, Darnell Washington, six foot seven, 270 pounds, 26 receptions for 417 yards, averaging 16 yards per reception. That's a, that's a pretty crazy per reception average for a tight end. Georgia is going to play both of these guys most of the game. Bowers and Washington will be on the field together a lot. They play a lot of 12 personnel. Another player to watch for Georgia is running back Kenny McIntosh. He's Georgia's leading rusher with 709 yards rushing and 10 touchdowns. McIntosh is also a very productive receiver out of the backfield. He's the dog's third leading receiver this season with 37 receptions for 449 yards. Now, McIntosh reminds me a little bit of Curtis Samuel. You know, they're going to use him all over the field as well. Georgia's kind of running back by committee. McIntosh is the best of them, but they have two other good backs, Dewan Edwards and Kendall Milton, who are very productive. Now, coming into the season, Milton and McIntosh were supposed to be 1A and 1B in the running game for Georgia, but Milton has dealt with a, a bunch of injuries this season. He looks healthy now, though. And Milton ran for 113 yards and only eight carries against LSU in the SEC title game. So he's another player you have to watch out for if you're the Ohio State defense. Finally, receiver Ladd McConkie. He's Georgia's second leading receiver with 51 catches for 675 yards and five touchdowns. Now, McConkie was injured in the first half of the SEC title game. He did not come back in that game. I believe his status for the game against Ohio State is uncertain. 
But if he can play, he's another one of those guys you have to watch out for. Not impressive in stature. I think he's barely six feet tall, uh, but very skilled. He's a technician. He has a way of getting open, and he's made a lot of big plays for Georgia this season. This is where I'm really worried for the Buckeyes in this game. And the reason is, against the best offensive skill talent the Buckeyes faced during the regular season, that's Penn State, Maryland, and Michigan, the defense was entirely too boom or bust, especially against the pass. Now, of the 17 pass plays of 30 yards or more that Ohio State allowed this season, 10 of them came against Penn State, Maryland, and Michigan. The Buckeye defense allowed a total of 967 yards passing and eight passing touchdowns in those three games. That's an average of 322 passing yards allowed in those three games. And fourth quarter scoring was a problem for the Buckeye defense against those three opponents. The Buckeyes allowed 17th fourth quarter points to Penn State and Maryland and 21 to Michigan. Now, Jim Knowles will tell you that allowing some explosive plays is the cost of doing business with his aggressive approach of blitzing his linebackers and safeties and leaving his corners in one-on-one coverage with no safety help. He'll live with allowing a certain number of big plays as long as his defense is generating its share of explosive plays and stopping the run. Now, against Penn State and Maryland, there was a return on that aggressive approach by Knowles. The Buckeye defense forced a total of five turnovers, including two defensive scores and eight sacks in those two games. And they did limit Penn State and Maryland in the run game, only 3.4 yards per carry for Penn State and 2.7 yards per carry for Maryland. Against Michigan, though, it was a different story. And you know, Michigan brought that Joe Moore award-winning offensive line into that game. And quite frankly, the plan backfired on Knowles. The Wolverines were able to handle the pressure from Ohio State linebackers and safeties. Only one sack on J.J. McCarthy. And as we remember, McCarthy made the Buckeyes pay for playing cover zero with several long touchdown passes. Now, there are some stats out there that suggest Ohio State is good at defending the pass to tight ends and running backs. We know Georgia likes to throw to its tight ends and running backs. We remember the Buckeye defense held up pretty well against Notre Dame's tight end, Michael Mayer. And I don't think Georgia is as dynamic at receiver as they've been in other seasons, but neither was Michigan. And that didn't stop a receiver like Cornelius Johnson from looking like Braylon Edwards against the Buckeyes. I think it's probably safe to assume that Georgia, with a crafty veteran quarterback in Bennett, is plenty good at receiver to take advantage of the same one-on-one situations with Ohio State corners that Michigan did. So I think if Ohio State is going to have a chance in this game, they've got to be able to get pressure on Stetson Bennett without blitzing so much. And that means Zach Harrison, JT Tui Malowal, and... Mike Hall Jr., who we think or hope is finally healthy and won't be on a snap limit, means those guys have got to be great in this game. They have to be impactful. They have to be able to get pressure on Bennett without the help of Ohio State linebackers and safeties blitzing. And it's going to be tough because, as I said, Georgia plays in 12 personnel most of the game. They have an extra big dude in there blocking. And oh, by the way, their offensive line is also a Joe Moore Award finalist this season. So, I think Knowles has got to be better at mixing up his coverages and disguising his pressures than he was against Michigan. And of course, the player execution, especially a cornerback, has to be way better than it was against Penn State, Maryland, and Michigan. Now, I'm hoping for the best, but I'm pretty gravely concerned about whether Ohio State has the scheme 
And more importantly, the personnel, especially a cornerback, to win this game on this side of the ball. Now, the other major question I have, coming off a hugely disappointing performance against Michigan, a game in which the Buckeyes looked tight and flat, is can Ryan Day get his team up for this game? Quite frankly, I thought there was a ton of motivational fodder for Day to draw on for the Michigan game. For example, Jim Harbaugh's born on third base comment after last season's loss to Michigan. But Day seemed unable to harness that, to get his team to play with an edge in that game. The Buckeyes are a pretty decisive underdog against Georgia. We know this. We also know not a lot of people will be picking Ohio State to win this game. They're going to be playing in the heart of SEC territory in a veritable home game for Georgia. This was a spot that Urban Meyer's teams was so good in. But I just don't know if Ryan Day has that same ability to have his team playing with its hair on fire in a game like this. So that's another major question I have. Now, I'm not saying Day can't do it. I just don't know if he can. This is a big moment for Ryan Day. I think there's a lot for him to lose by losing again on a big stage to an opponent like Georgia. But I also think there's a ton for Day to gain with a win. Okay, that's going to do it for me. Look for a second preview pod of this game with myself, Paige, and Chad later this week. That should be dropping into your feeds on Wednesday. Until then, thanks so much for listening, and go Bucks. You've been listening to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and visit our website at southstandsosu.com.